delight and joy are what are on my heart as we come together this weekend a couple of times for our candlelight Christmas Eve service and our Sunday morning family gathering, all right? Uh, for the last 12 weeks, we have been working through a book in our small groups called Irresistible Church. So for the first five to 10 minutes, you're going to get a little bit of a repeat of a sermon that you heard 13 weeks ago, but it will have a different spin because 13 weeks ago, we were entering in. I was setting you up for what we studied, all right? Now we're concluding. We are helping bring those in who missed weeks. We're helping bring those in who have yet to find their place in small groups. We're helping our visitors understand some of the things that we feel like are important to our church family. And so every today is everybody gets to land on the same page day, all right? We're all going to get it. But through this lens, please understand, none of this matters unless you look through the lens of the next sentence I'm about to say. These 12 things are about NBC on Maine as a whole and Johnny and Steve and Jamie and Kendi and Danielle. If the church strives after this as a whole, meaning the leadership and the people who do the work, and no one else does, then the church isn't there. Some people in the church are there, but the church isn't there. So the question is, am I these things? Can Miss Nadine say, I am in one of these traits? Or do we need to say, I, I understand that, I understand that, I got to work on that. That's okay. That's a good thing. Now we know where to grow. So this morning for the first half of this, let's, let's decide. Hey, NBC, we got to be this way. Why? Because these traits don't make us irresistible to people who want to show. These traits don't make us irresistible to people looking for a big youth group. These traits don't make us irresistible for people who want very quiet, solemn, aged, seasoned preachers. Thank God. These traits make us irresistible to heaven. These traits, and this is how I describe it, if we're doing these things, the angels get a little bit excited at 9.30 on Sunday morning. And they whisper to one another, hey, NBC's getting together. You guys want to watch? They gather around like UK's about to have a basketball game. They gather around like the Super Bowl's happening just to see what we do. If we, we and ye are doing these things, okay? So for 12 weeks, here's what we've learned. An irresistible church a church that heaven applauds has these traits. Do you, do we hunger for his presence? Do you want to be around the worship? Do you want to be around the little bald head preacher? Do you want to be around your friends and family because you haven't seen them in a week or two? Or do you want to see the face of God and hear the voice of God and allow him to fill your 
cup. That is trait number one. I can't wait to stand with Jesus. That's trait number one. Do you wake up on Sundays with a parched feeling in your soul that makes you want to reach for a drink and just soothe everything about you with the presence of God? Do you hunger for the presence of God? Do you remember who you are? For the church, remember who she is as a unit. What does that mean? It means understanding every step of the way that once you give your life to Christ and you devote yourself to the, to the relationship with God, you are no longer a simple sinner. You are no longer an excuse maker. You are no longer ordinary. You are extraordinarily His. You are a child of the universe maker. You are a partner with a galaxy creator. You are the child, not of the king, but of the king of all kings. Do you know your place? People want to look and watch and see people who know who they are. Do you live your life as if you're bought, paid for, and loved by the king of kings and the Lord of lords? That is what heaven applauds. Do you live, do we live heart first? Is it not about image, but about what is right? Is it not about gain, but about what nobody sees? Is it about what you want or what you can give? A healthy irresistible church lives heart first not mind first not hands first but heart first how can I pour not what can I get it's not about the show and it's not about the dough and it's not about how we roll it's about what is going on in my heart that God is doing so that I can be different and make a difference in the world around me. Oh, Lord have mercy, Christmas time. Dun, dun, dun. I'm not asking if there have been times in your life that you were grateful. I'm not asking if there have been times in your life when you are thankful. I'm not even asking if you're grateful for something right now. Here's the question. Do you practice gratefulness? When you feel ungrateful, are you grateful? I watch, and, and I hate that it is true, but it is, it is, it is the way to understand this. I watch the sadness, I watch the strain on people's faces when they deal with a couple of things. Toddlers, teenagers, dollars, and spouses. If your toddlers, your teenagers, 
your dollars and your spouses were all good, and by all good, defined by you as the way I want them to be, then joy would be blowing through this place. But I've watched you, I've lived with you, I've loved you. And when your finances are bad, your heart is bad. When your kids are giving you the, the hard way to go, your face lets me know. When your teenagers are just out of control and you cannot understand and your heart is broken, your face lets me know. When you and your spouse aren't getting along, joy is sucked out of your soul and the soul of everybody within 10 feet of you. So the question is not, is everything good? The question is, when it's good or when it's bad, are you grateful? I, I think I've explained that. I'm not asking if you have been. I'm asking in all things if you are. The good Lord giveth, and the good Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you say those words with me? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say it again. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When I don't know where the bills are going to come from, blessed be the name of the Lord. When my teenagers, oh, oh, see, blessed be the name of the Lord. When my spouse getting on my last nerve. Oh, y'all didn't say it. No, it was like, when my spouse getting on my last nerve. You asking too much, preacher. I can say it for the rest. I can't, mm -mm, he on my nerve. You have a spouse. You have a child. And I know a lot of people who would be way more grateful than we act sometimes. Hmm. <clears throat> As God has prepared my walk through these things this week, he has had to um, <clears throat> lasso me in a little bit on this one. Listen to me. Relationships are hard. Everybody doesn't parent like you. Everybody doesn't act like you. Everybody doesn't sin the same way as you. You notice I didn't say everybody isn't as perfect as you. No, everybody doesn't sin the same way that you do. We have a tendency, the healthier that we get, praise the Lord, the healthier that we get, to begin to call out sins that we feel strengthened and prepared to do, right? So you're in the gym and everything's going well and the 10 pounds is now 15 and the 15 is now 20 and then you realize you can throw up 100 pounds 20 times. Hey, this is all right. Let's see how high I can go. 100 times 20, that's 2,000. Throw 2,000 on there. Let's see how I can do. <laughs> y'all know how stupid that sounds, but some of y'all be doing that with your spirituality. Some of y'all be doing that with your spirituality. Man, I feel good. I got joy. I even got some hope. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fix that sinner. Am I, am I, Steve's down here like, oh, come on, little preacher. 
I'm going to fix that sinner. Y'all know that, y'all know that commercial with the tattoo guy? Stay in your lane, bro. Y'all get so spiritually anointed that you want to be jumping out your lane. And a lot of you lately be like, you just want to tell me where mine is. Got me some spiritually healthy church folks be saying, hey, I, I think you ought to be doing this and you ought to be doing this and you need to be doing this. And what I want to do is say, shut up, call me after you've prayed. But I don't. I don't. Somewhere along the way, I learned some things. I ain't perfect, and every one of you knows it. I told you not to join here if you needed me to be. But listen to me. I know things you don't know. So when you come at me with half a story, go to Jesus, pray. All right? And when you go to that person about the plank in their eye, I believe Jesus says something about the large redwood pine in yours. Right? Well, Craig, here's the problem. What happens if nobody calls me on my stuff and I can't call anybody on their stuff? Well, the church, you know, ends up headed to hell in a handbasket fast. Nobody said don't do it. It's about how you do it. And a healthy church promotes healthy relationships. And guess what? That means hard conversations. That means humble spirits. And that means grace abounds. There, there, there's a sermon coming in the next few weeks all about this because we need to be reminded a healthy church promotes healthy relationships if a healthy church promotes healthy relationships then there are healthy conversations and those conversations sometimes turn into confrontations and those confrontations sometimes turn into arguments and those arguments sometimes turn into fights other times they turn into wins the maturity of the believer decides which I'm going to say it one more time. The maturity of the believer decides whether it's a fight or a win. A healthy church promotes healthy relationships. A healthy church is always learning. Guys, I look back on our church family and I, I know, I know that this one's true. Because God will say, hey, it's time to start small groups. And any of you who were here about seven years ago know what we did was we started with Wednesday night because we could only get 12 to 15 people there. And then when we got 15 to 20 people there, we sent a group upstairs into the loft. We sent a group into the blue room, and we had a group in here. One of those groups did really well. One of those groups didn't do well at all. One of those groups did average. So we brought the groups back together, and then we split them out again. And then when more than one group, we sent them into houses. And then we had to bring them back in. And then we had to do things on video. And then we had to come, hey, we, we ain't afraid to change things up. I can look back over nine and a half years and I go, we got that. We're always learning. Now, here's my problem. 
I don't, I don't know if there's any other sinners like this, but you, you, confession. I go on learning kicks. Anybody else? Something will fire me up, and I'll be like, you know, I'm just, Steve will give me a book. Jordan Peterson will light my world up. I'll feel good about my soul. Jamie will get on a diet. I'll feel good about my body. Somebody else will tell me I did good on a sermon. I'll feel good about the church. And I am in overdrive for four months, just sucking it in. I haven't read a book in nine years, and now I've read nine in nine days, right? Anybody? Bueller? Come on. And then everything's good. Everything. Why am I tired? Why am I fat again? Why haven't I read a book in three weeks? Why haven't I walked? I know the answer to that one. It's cold. I, that one's easy. My need, my personal need, as we've gone through these things, for me, I don't mind telling you, I have two convictions thus far personally. One, I know how to have the hard conversations and I am comfortable having them some of the time. I've got to push my some of the time to all the time and be unafraid of doing the most right thing and taking whatever comes from it. If I can go to sleep at night knowing I did the most right thing, I'll take whatever comes because Jesus is on my side. All right? I've got, I've got to know that and do that. Trust the covenant, trust the call. Number two, stop sometimes learning. Even if I have to spread it out, start reading a book today, start getting into the gym in a month, start eating healthier in next Christmas. All right? I've got to do it consistently instead of mountains and valleys. That would make me healthier. And the hard part of this is it would make you healthier too. So I, I own that, okay? That's where I'm gonna, one of, one of my places. I don't own this. I don't own this one at all. There are people in this room who do not want to be fed. There are people in this room who want me to feed them. And there are people in this room who understand that ain't my job. When you are a baby, you get fed and you get fed from the body of mom. When you are a toddler, you get fed from outside sources, but somebody helps you with the spoon. After you are five, six at the most, you be holding the spoon and you be getting the food yourself. Some of you are 35 and I still got a nipple in your mouth from a bottle. You notice how I clarified. You're doing it wrong. A church that heaven applauds is self-feeding. Miss Rachel is feeding herself. I am encouraging the process. Mr. Jimmy is feeding himself. I'm encouraging the process. I am giving you things to jump off of. I am igniting fires in places you didn't know about. I'm expanding the word that you're already studying and helping you see it more clearly. Are you self-feeding? 
connects everything to a soul. All right, this in essence means a church never forgets that as good as its youth program is, as good as its worship program is, as good as its women's program is, as good as its teaching program is, as good as its kids program is, it's not about any of those things ever. At the end of the day, when we say we want to be a unified church, we want to be a celebrating church, we want to be a church in the word of God, and we want to be a mission church, even those things all direct us to two things, discipleship and evangelism. We are reaching people, and we don't stop. We are growing people. We are letting God save souls, and then we are expanding God's role in the soul. We can never forget that once you're in, God loves you, God will help you, I'm here to grow you, but there is the mission. Not here, there. Connects everything to a soul. Outreach, evangelism, discipleship. We, in a culture and in a society, are going to have to swim upstream to get this one right. Let me say it again. We are going to have to swim upstream to get this one right. I'm telling you now. All right, I I'm not saying, hey, this is hard. No, it's not hard. Unless you're a salmon, this is impossible. In order to get this right, we've got to swim upstream. Good news, we got God on our side. He made the salmon, right? In a world where everything is about everyone else and everyone is about self and everyone is about what's wrong with everyone else to make me feel right, everything is about how bad you are to make myself feel better, everything is about you need this and this and this and this and this in order to make yourself more beautiful, more skinny, more healthy, more muscular. No, we've lost our ability to love simply because. God doesn't say love them because they're beautiful. God doesn't say love them because they're, you're married to them. God doesn't say love them because they're kids. God doesn't say love them because they're Christian. He says one thing, love them because I love them first. The end. We love because he first loved us. Boom. It doesn't need any more explanation than that. Why should I treat her good? Because God loves you. Well, she, I don't care. Do you understand? I literally care that you're hurt. I don't care that you choose not to love. What's well, hard? I, I started with swimming upstream. What do you want from me? I, I know what I'm asking is impossible. I also know I can do all things. Uh-oh. We don't use that scripture for that? No. We use that when we want a hole in one. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. <laughs> want to catch the big fish. I can do all things. I'm quoting the scripture, baby. You do that, don't you? Yeah. Uh-huh. You want to focus in on one that's impossible? I'll tell you, in every human, in every human way possible, this is impossible. But we're not doing it alone. And I did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power of love and self-discipline. Is that one okay? Can we use that one? All right. It's more fun having him down here. At least I'll get it right. 
you see, we have a we have a a, a, a a problem. See, I need Steve down front because Steve makes my sermons better. You need Steve in the back because nobody can see the words. <laughs> so it's a you know it's a both and. How do we work this out? All right, takes risks. That one of the best sermons I ever heard was by a guy named Erwin McManus when Erwin McManus was younger. I'm at Mission 95 at the Galt House in Louisville. They called, called colleges, college kids in from all over. Only happened every five years. So, you know, while you were in college, you could miss it, but it wasn't likely you were going to get to it once, all right? It was actually, I'm thinking back now, Louis Giglio, before Louis Giglio was Louis Giglio, was the worship leader for the praise band that was there that day, all right? I'm sitting in a room, a little bit smaller than our fellowship hall, on the floor, and I'm listening to Erwin McManus teach on taking risks. I actually have the book, The Barbarian Way, and that's the way he said it, The Barbarian Way, all right? And, and, and I have the book that he wrote a chapter about what he preached on, but this was the bottom line. Bottom line, 30 seconds, you ready? King Saul. Up until the guy that would follow him, the most powerful king Israel had never known. Up until the next guy, right? And God has told him where to go. God has told him what to do. And he's sitting under a pomegranate tree asking the guys around him what he's supposed to do. Let me, let me repeat. God has told him where to go. God has told him what to do. And he's sitting under a pomegranate tree asking people what they think he should do. Jonathan, all right, Jonathan David's best friend, son of Saul, is like, I know what we're supposed to do. So he goes out into this valley and he says, hey, if the enemy tells us to come up, we're coming up. And his armor bearer, you know, his, his, his personal Oompa Loompa is like, okay, bub. The two of these guys by themselves, they go out, they get in the valley and they look up. Now, they're in the worst position ever, right? The, the, the enemy's above them. They have the high ground. That's, that's, that's where you want to be. They're down and a guy leans over and waves. He goes, hey, come on up. One of the enemies says, come on up. So Jonathan's like, there's our son. <laughs> they both climb up, <laughs> kill like 100 people, and then go back. Dad, we're supposed to go. <laughs> this thing is risky. You might get killed. You might be made fun of. You might not get to marry the girl you think you're supposed to marry or the guy you think you're supposed to marry. You might end up with your life not looking like you thought it was supposed to look, but I promise you on the other side, it will look better. But following Jesus is risky. That's why he says, deny yourself and take up your cross if you're gonna follow me. That's why we're upfront about our covenant. Here's the things we expect. Yay! That's right. He's, he's happy. I know upfront. I know upfront this is what's going on. A healthy church humbles itself. A healthy church says, man, look how good we're doing, but look how far we have to go. A healthy church says, ah, I made a decision. I thought that decision was right. I prayed through that decision and ran that decision through elders and through staff and through spouses, and I thought that decision was right. That decision was wrong. A healthy church says that decision was wrong and corrects that decision instead of driving head first because I'm right. <laughs> That's what you do. And then you pray for grace. A healthy church humbles itself. We own who we are and we will throw our shoulders back, but we're not throwing our shoulders back because of us. We're throwing our shoulders back because of him. The focus of everything that we say and do and celebrate 
is that he is good, not we is. An irresistible church has a plan. For the next few minutes, this is where we're going to land. I never want there to be any doubt about who we are and where we're going. But I understand that you guys don't want to hear the core value sermons every six months. I understand that you don't want to hear healthy church traits every six months. I understand that you don't want to do another book called Something Church that sounds like irresistible or healthy, but it's bigger church or yummier church or, you know, I, I know. But at the end of the day, that's what Jesus did. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained the scriptures to them concerning himself. He repeated over and over what he already knew. And he reminded them of things they already knew because we forget. Because we're sheep. And sometimes we need to be reminded. If you've been here for any length of time, you know that we are focused on unity. We want healthy relationships, yummy church. We are focused on celebrating. We don't want boring worship. We don't want people staring in worship. We don't want you sitting through worship. We want active participation in celebrating worship. We want to go and do. We want to do missions. And our small groups have now done nine missions. And we have gone overseas and we have gone to eastern Kentucky. And we are going to push forward in missions. And, and we stick with the word. I, I know. I get it. Some of you are excited as all get out that today's not about Luke. I get it. But I'm going to stand before Jesus. He's going to go, what'd you preach on? Sex? What'd you preach on? Food? What'd you preach on? Drugs? What'd you preach on? Alcohol? No, God, I decided I'd preach the word. I'm okay with that, church. Be as mad as you want to be with me. I'm pretty good with that. So we're, 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 we're going to stay focused there. Maybe not 52 weeks a year, but that's, that's where we're going to be focused. All right? But I'm about to make sure you understand the plan for the next year. I think some of you are going to be like, that's my guy. Others of you are going to be like, nuh-uh. Let me just say before you say either one, don't care. I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to know what he said. I'm going to stand before our leadership. I'm going to know what they said. I'm going to stand with our staff. I'm going to know what they said. Now, for the last year, we have pushed in on two things. Church, right here, worship, and what? Small groups, okay? That's what we've done. Church and small groups. Now, alongside of that, we got a great kids ministry. It would be blowing it out of the water if uh, 72 kids didn't have the flu every week, okay? Right? I mean, if you'll look around right now, this is about an average crowd for us, all right? We've been running, actually, for the last semester, we've run 129 people, all right? You ready for this? I can name four families that are not here today that are here every week that would add 25 more, and we'd be at 140, I can tell you that if everybody who was here this morning, everybody who was here the last four weeks was here right now, we'd have about 205, 206. All right? So I, I struggle with attendance, but I also know we're still reaching, right? So I'm trying to balance that. But we have a great kids ministry. We were averaging about 14 or 15 in youth ministry a year ago on Wednesday nights. Now we're averaging 22 to 23. That's about a 40, 50% increase. I'm good with that. All right? We have worship nights, we have marriage retreats, we have women's ministry events, we have men's ministry events, we have candy cane making days and gingerbread house making days, and we have uh, church cleaning days, and we have church decorating days. All right, here's the plan. 
A healthy church, an irresistible church has a plan. Here's the plan. Worship in small groups. Somebody says, what's the plan? Worship in small groups. Are we going to have art camp? Dunno. We're going to have youth camp? Dunno. We're going to have women's ministry events? Couple. Well, what do you mean? You're canceling everything? No. We're going to do what's necessary and nothing else. We are going to pour ourselves into what we do well and what we do best, and we're going to drive it. Yes, that means students on Wednesday nights. Yes, that probably means some discipleship of some students who are ready to be discipled. What it doesn't mean is I feel obligated to take your child to Kings Island. What it doesn't mean is I feel obligated to take your toddler to the zoo. What it doesn't mean is I feel obligated to do something that we've done for the last 50 years. No obligation whatsoever, feeling pretty free about it. Well, Craig, what if we want? What if we want to go to Kentucky Kingdom with our children? Hey, you and your small group, call me. I'll get you group tickets. Have fun. Well, what if we want to do a, a, a mission? You and your small group, have fun. Tell me how I can help. Well, what if I'm not in a small group? Y'all ever seen the end of uh, the credits of Coming to America? Eddie Murphy's dressed up in, in, in a way he wouldn't be allowed to be now. And the guy says, hey, taste the soup. He says, what's wrong with the soup? He said, well, taste the soup. He said, what's wrong with the soup? I said, just taste the soup. He said, all right, where's the spoon? Ha-ha. That's what I'm saying to you. What if I'm not in a small group? <laughs> Get there. There's not one on a day for me. Baloney. I got small groups on Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. I took Friday off. That's your day. It ain't because we ain't got one for you. It's because you don't want to get up early or stay late. Feeling pretty free because I got a plan. We are really moving in. I'm going to pour into small groups and small group leaders. Small groups and small group leaders are going to pour into you. We're going to celebrate as a family together on Sundays, and every once in a while, we're going to come together and do stuff just because. Just because. We feel like worshiping. Let's have a worship night then. Right? We feel like playing. Let's have a redneck roundup and play cornhole all night with absolutely zero Bible study whatsoever. Let's just be together. Okay. But not because we have to, because we want to. Church, we have a plan. Stick to the core values, do small groups, do church, and do it well. Is there anybody who can't tell somebody else the plan? All right, good. Thank you. He's listening. From Acts chapter 2, when the church fell in love with becoming the church, when the church got excited about being the church, when the church was what God created the church and Paul affirmed the church to be, here's what it looked like. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. 
at the wonders and the signs performed. Why were wonders and signs performed? Because the church was reading the Bible, talking about the Bible and praying over the Bible. What happened when they got together for Bible study and prayed? Signs and wonders blew their mind. They didn't go to Kings Island. They didn't have art camp. They didn't have vacation Bible school. They didn't do marriage retreat. Ah! Some of y'all just went, wait, 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 no marriage retreat. I didn't say that yet. I said, I don't know. I think we ought to have it. Marriages are important. All the believers came together and had everything in common. Let me, let me, let me. Do we all make the same amount of money? No. Do we all have the same uh, 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 upscale uh, smiley attitude? No. Do we all have the same work ethic? No. Let me tell you what we have in common. We're all sinners. Let me tell you what we all have in common. We're all sinners. They even sold their property and their possessions and gave to anyone who needed it. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes. You know what that is, don't you? Worship and praising God and enjoying the favor of the people and the Lord added to their number. If we will focus on the Bible, if we will focus on prayer, if we will love one another, if we will take the risks, if we will focus on prayer, if we will read the Bible, if we will celebrate with one another, God will add to our number. We've got to change the culture. Culture says right now, it, they took a poll, all right? One of the biggest Christian groups out there, the Barna Group took a poll. They asked thousands of people, how many Sundays does it take for you to consider yourself a regular attender? If I show up two times a month, I am a regular attender. If I'm in church 26 times a year, I'm a regular attender. Can I, can I tell you a secret? Because I see kind of the questions and the disdain on your face. That's exactly what's going on here. I, I love you. That's exactly what's happening right here. We have bet between one and three. The core of our church, between one and three times a month. We got about 60 people who are here almost four times a month about 60 people who are here between two and three times a month and about 60 people who are here once a month. That is 100% true. Calculate it, check me on it, I don't care. But the numbers say twice a month and you think you're a regular attender. I don't. I love you. I don't. I do want to be an irresistible church. I will reference this book from now on, but I will not focus on it because it's not the most important book. We're gonna stay in the scriptures. We're gonna be encouraged by things like this. We're gonna gather, we're gonna worship, we're gonna teach. And the next opportunity to do that, Saturday night. Saturday night at five o'clock, worship, short teaching, candlelight experience prior to celebrating Jesus' birth together. We'll be here Saturday evening at 5, Sunday morning at 10.30. I love you. I'm thankful for you. Have a great day.